Good morning again. Good morning. Ah, oh, such response. So lovely. <laughs> Love it. Like Colin said, we're continuing on in our series about Elisha. We started a couple weeks talking about Elijah, and now we've gone to Elisha. Elijah, Elisha. Just putting us in the right prophet here, Elisha. Elisha was his story, the account of his life is in the Old Testament. He was a prophet. He actually did more miracles than anyone in the Bible except for Jesus. He's the guy. So we've been talking about some of the miraculous things, some of the ridiculous things that Elisha experienced. And we're going to continue on with this next account. Um, But before that, I have an, an audience participation question for you. How many of you would say, um, my life is busy? Busy. Yeah, kind of too busy to even raise your hand. It took you a while. It's thinking about too many things. Do I? Am I busy? Busy. How about how many, you, you got busy doing a lot of things. How about overwhelmed? Feeling overwhelmed in life right now. Yeah? Overwhelmed. Overwhelmed. Busy. Overwhelmed. And then there's like the next level of overwhelmed too sometimes when you're like, no, I, I'm, not, I'm not just overwhelmed. Like, life is too much right now, right? Life is too much. Life is hard. Um, it can be overwhelming. It can be, be too much. And sometimes not only just too much, but like too much. And maybe some of you guys are feeling that today coming in. Like, life is too much. I'm not even sure how I, I made it in the door today. I'm feeling overwhelmed by things. Maybe it's like a debt that piles up debt that's happening, student loans that are happening, money issues, money problems. It can be overwhelming, overwhelming in our life. Or with parenting, maybe you're in a stage of parenting right now that you're like, this is overwhelming what I'm doing right now. Or single parenting, how am I going to make it? How am I going to do this? It's overwhelming to me right now in my life. Or maybe a big life decision that's happening and you're like, the deadlines keep coming on the life decision. You're like, I know, but this affects this and this affects this and it's a big deal and I don't know what to do and I'm feeling overwhelmed by these big life decisions that I have to make. It just feels like too much. Or maybe you're feeling like, I'm now on empty. Like it's been so much and too much for too long. I feel like I'm on empty. I don't even know how I walked in here today, how I made it here today because I'm on empty and I hope that if, if you're feeling like that today, any of those things, that this account in the Bible, this, this um, story account with Elijah is encouraging to you. So our, this account, we're going to read it. It comes from 2 Kings. The wife of a man from the company of the prophets crawled out to Elisha. Your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that he revered the Lord. But now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as his slaves. Elisha replied to her, how can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? Your servant has nothing there at all, she said, except a small jar of olive oil. So here's the setup of the story. We have Elisha, prophet, not Elijah, Elisha, prophet. He has this woman who comes to him, this woman who says, my husband has died. I'm now a widow um, so Elisha knew, presumably knew her husband. We don't know her name. We never hear her name in this account. Um, just that she's a widow, but the Jewish tradition says that she may have been the wife of a prophet, um, named Obadiah. 
Obadiah the prophet um, was, it would make sense that they had money issues. Obadiah at one point was part of hiding and providing for 50 other prophets. Uh, It also was not uncommon for prophets to have financial trouble. They were often on the run or being persecuted, and it wasn't like a cushy life being a prophet. So already they probably had a difficult life in that way. Um, So this woman, her husband now, maybe Obadiah, has died and has left her with all of this financial trouble. They have creditors are coming. So she has all these financial trouble. And the law said that if you could not pay back your debts, then your, your sons could be taken into slavery to pay for those debts because you couldn't pay those back. So we have this desperate woman in a desperate situation coming to Elijah. She's grieving because she's lost her husband. She has all of this financial trouble that's happening. People are coming, creditors are coming to take her sons away from her. She would have been unemployable as a a woman, as a woman and didn't have now a husband to provide for her. And so, and here are these creditors coming to take her only sons, to take her children as slaves. This woman is in an overwhelmed, in a desperate situation. And really, earthly speaking, she does not have any hope, any hope in this situation. And she's bringing this request and this desperate situation to the prophet Elisha so he could do something about it. And this story, this account, it's helpful to remember things like this whenever uh, I have um, what I call like entry-level problems, like things that I get worked up about that are like not that small. You may call them like first-world problems, you know, like when you're watching whatever whatever video to Netflix, your YouTube channels, your Hulu, whatever, and you get that like circle in the middle of your screen and it's like loading, 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 loading. You're like, I just want to watch my video. Why? Why is it still loading? I don't understand. Or like the Wi-Fi goes out and it's like, what do we do? I don't know. I don't know what to do without the Wi-Fi. We may have to like talk to each other. I don't know. The Wi-Fi is down. Yesterday, I was driving to Nashua to get turkey for Friendsgiving, which, again, Friendsgiving, who was there? So great, Friendsgiving. Ah, Next year, mark your calendars. Friendsgiving is awesome. So I'm going to get turkey. I'm driving to Nashua. I get the turkey, driving back. And I'm, like, looking at the time, like, I'm going to totally get back in time. It's going to be great. I'm looking at my GPS. And I I pull out to get on the highway, and it takes me 15 minutes to get .3 miles and I'm like, what is the deal? It's, I'm just it's like, we're not even moving. Who's, what, is the car's driving up ahead at all? I don't even know. So it's like so frustrating. It's like 15 minutes. But you know, in the grand scheme of things, first world problems. I still got there. I still got turkey. I wasn't late. There was turkey for Friendsgiving if you were there. If you weren't, don't worry. There was some there. Entry level problems. But some of you today have some graduate-level problems. They're not entry-level problems or first-world problems, and they're not being 15 minutes to go 0.3 miles, but they're graduate-level problems in our lives. And if you don't have them now, you will have them. We have them in our lives, these graduate-level problems. And maybe that's a health concern right now, a major health concern, a major health crisis or major mental health crisis that you live with or have to live with that is affecting your every day. That's a major concern or a a major concern with a a child, a wayward child that you don't know what to do with them or a parent, a difficult parent, an aging parent that we don't know what we're going to do, how how we're going to cope with this, what we're going to do, a graduate level problem that is, takes significant, something that's a significant 
need. Maybe it's a relationship problem, a marriage problem, a significant need in a marriage problem, something that you thought would be true that wasn't unfaithfulness that happened, that you didn't think would happen, a relationship you thought would be there and now isn't there, graduate level problems. This one was in significant need. And if you find yourself in significant need today, the first point I want to make to you is also if you have your program, there are some fill-ins in your program. This is the first point on your fill-ins. First point, when you don't have what you really want, God is what you really need. When you don't have what you really want, God is what you really need. This woman was in significant need. And Elijah has this opportunity to come and to bless her. He, he comes to her, or she comes to him. He's listening to her situation. He isn't like, yeah, yeah, everyone else has problems too. He's, he listens to her. He's like, not just like, hey, I have your answers. Like, boom, 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 let's get done. He, he listens to her. He's like, how can I help you? Let me listen to your story. How can I help you? And you know, if, if you want to have like joy, fulfillment in your life, you ask yourself every day, wake up every day and tell God, I want to be available to you if someone needs me to ask for help, to be available. Elisha was available to her when she came. He's able to say, I can ask for help. And for us in our lives, we get the chance to bless other people too if we make ourselves available like Elijah did for this woman. If that's, uh, you are like, I don't know how to make my life fulfilling today. I don't know how to have joy today. Start that, start that practice here at Thanksgiving. Wake up every morning and say, God, I'm available to you. I'm available to you to do what you need me to do. Can I meet somebody's need or can I bless someone in some way? Elijah's able to bless her in this way. So this is Elijah's response to her. Elijah replied to her, How can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? This is the widow replied. Your servant has nothing there at all, she said, except a small jar of olive oil. Um, Isn't it interesting that when we are hurting or when we are lacking, we often see what we don't have instead of the things that we do have? She's like, there's nothing there at all. There's, I don't have anything. We can see what we don't have instead of what we do have. And like, if I just had these things, like if I just had these things that I could do these things, if, if I just, if I had a nicer house, if I had a house, I could host, I could practice radical generosity, radical hospitality and enter, ask people to come into my home and serve them and build relationships. If I had a nicer house, which we will later, or if I had this like better job, if I had this better job, I could provide more for my family, or we could have more money to do this. Or if I had, if I had this, if I had a better husband, if I had a husband or a wife, if we had kids, then we could connect with people. If we, if we just had, if we had, when we are lacking or when we're hurting, we often see what we don't have instead of seeing the things that we do have. But if we just focus on those things, we have to stop looking at what we have, stop asking for what we want, instead start using what we have. Stop looking and looking for what we want, but using what we have, giving God what we have already, even if it's not what we want yet. It's not exactly what we think that we need, where we think we should be, what we want to have. We stop, stop waiting, stop waiting for what we want and start working with what we have. What do you have now that you can work with? So woman said, your servant has nothing there at all. She said, except a small jar of olive oil. 
she did have something. And actually, olive oil was very valuable. She had a very valuable something. In this time, olive oil was used for many different things. It was used for cooking. It was used for um, lighting lamps. It was used for practical things like keeping leather pliable. It was used for um, keeping things from rusting. Uh, it was used in religious practices for anointing, for um, sacrifices. It was actually, the commodity of olive oil was actually very valuable. She did have something that was very valuable. She just didn't have very much of it. She didn't have very much of it. But God specialized in, specializes in doing a lot when we give him really little. She did have something, just not very much. There are a lot of different accounts in the Bible of God doing a lot with a little. When Jesus was here on earth, there's an account of a huge crowd of thousands of people that were hungry and need to be fed. And there was a little boy who had five loaves and two fish. And he said, this is all I have, this little, this little bit of lunch to feed thousands and thousands of people. And he offered that to Jesus. And bam, Jesus multiplies it, feeds all thousands of people. And there are even leftovers. God create, he made a lot out of a little. In the Old Testament, David, there was this shepherd boy, David, when he was a boy and he was up against the a giant Goliath who was taunting the army, and people were like, no, we don't have enough. We don't have enough to beat Goliath. And David's like, it's not too much for my God. And all he needed was one stone, one small stone, and that one small stone brought down the whole giant. God did a lot with just, with just a little bit. And when uh, Moses, who's also in the Old Testament, uh, Moses was a guy that God chose to rescue the Israelite people with Moses. And he came to Moses and was like, this is what I want you to do, rescue all of the people. And to start off with, he said, Moses, what do you have in your hand? He didn't say, Moses, I got this big task for you. What do you need? What do you think you need? What can I give you? He started with what Moses already had. Moses, what's in your hand. And what was in Moses' hand was a staff, and he used that to show miraculous signs that helped lead then the people out of slavery eventually. But he started with what he had. And that's what Elijah's talking to her with her jar of oil. What do you have already? Even if it's small, what is it that you already have? Limitations are often insights that give us innovations. When we don't have what we need, sometimes if we had what we need, we would miss what God knows that we need to see. If we had what we need, we would miss what God knows that we need to see. So it's, and it's not just being thankful for it. Here we are in the season of Thanksgiving, being thankful for our blessings, thankful, thankful for the things that we have. And it's a great reminder to, to practice gratitude for sure. But it's not just being thankful for what we have, but it's actually doing something with what we have. When we stop waiting for what we want and we use what we have, we actually doing the things that we can for what we have. Maybe you feel like in your busyness, you're like, I only have a little bit of time. I, only, I don't even know if I have a little bit of time where that little bit of time was. And, but you can't just keep waiting for more time to do something, to do, to practice hospitality, to, to go over and bring a meal, to go impact somebody's life. You can't just wait for more time. Use the little time that you have, the little time that you have to bless someone and start there and God will multiply. Take that little and make it much or a little bit of money that you have. Or the, the job you have. Maybe you're in a job and you're like, this is not where I want to be. I thought I'd be promoted. I thought I would move on. This is not what I love. But 
What do you have around you in your job that you can do right now? Who's in your job that you see every day who needs someone to bless them or who needs something from them? How can you be available where you are at this job, where God has you? What, what can you do right where you are, the place that you are, with the family that you have, with the stage of life that you have, with the money that you have? What is it that you can do right now? Because God uses our little and he makes it a lot. This first point, when you, have, when you don't have what you really want, God is what you really need. The second point today is this. Offering God what you have and trusting him to give you what you need. So back to this account of this woman. Woman has come, just recount for you. Woman has come, lost her husband. People are coming to collect her children, her sons. Comes to Elijah. She's like, desperate situation. What do I do? Elijah's like... What do you got in your house? I want to help you. What do you have? She says, I have nothing in my house except for this small jar of olive oil. This is the next part. Elijah said to her, go around and ask all your neighbors for empty jars. Don't ask for just a few. Then go inside and shut the door behind you and your sons. Pour oil into all the jars, and as each is filled... Put it to one side. So Elijah's like, here's a solution. You got one jar, get lots of jars. Go around, ask for jars, gather the jars, pour oil. This is the plan. This is the plan that he, he gives her. The first week of Elijah, we talked about burning a plow, that he burned a plow for his call, during his calling. He said, I'm going to say yes to God, whatever he asks. Last week, we talked about digging ditches, that God brings the water, but sometimes we have to dig a ditch in order for God to bring the water. And week three, we are collecting jars, collecting jars in faith. And it's not like God had a shortage of jars up there in heaven. He wasn't like, I want to bless her with this olive oil, but like, how do I get it to her? It's up here. We don't have any down here. Like, how are we shipping down there? It's terrible. He wasn't like, I don't have a way to get it down to her. He could have provided her with jars. He could have done a number of things, but he asked, Elijah asked her to gather the jars, to go and ask people for jars. She had to take a step of faith before God provided for her. She had to take a step of faith. Her neighbors would have known that situation that was happening to them, to her. Um, so to go and to ask neighbors for jars, to gather those jars in faith. And you think about like going to gather jars from neighbors and what do you say to the neighbors? Like, hey, I'm coming, I'm gathering some jars. And they were like, for what? And you're like, ah, I was supposed to. The crazy prophet man told me. I don't know. We're going to see if it works. She had to go in faith and ask for help, ask for these jars in faith, and not knowing exactly what was going to happen or how God was going to provide. And sometimes, uh, do you ever like are praying for something for God to provide, like, in your spirit, and you're like, I don't really want to tell anyone because what if, like, God doesn't come through because I made this prayer and maybe he won't come through for me. But she was public with it. She was like, I'm collecting jars. I think that this is, this is the way God's providing for me. I'm going to ask people and I'm going to have the faith to go and to collect the jars. So she collected her jars. She acted regardless of her fear, and she asked. And this is what happened. She left him, the widow left Elisha, and shut the door behind her and her sons. They brought the jars to her, and she kept pouring. When all the jars were full, she said to her son, bring me another one. But he replied, 
there's not a jar left, and then the oil stopped flowing. She went and told the man of God, and he said, go sell the oil and pay your debts. You and your sons can live on what is left. So this is what happened. She brings the jars, she starts pouring out the oil, and it just keeps pouring. And she's filling the jar, and they're bringing her another jar, and they're bringing her another jar, and they're bringing her another jar. And as many jars as she had had faith to gather, those are how many jars, those are how many jars that were filled. And they just kept filling. God provided for her. When she poured out that little bit of what was valuable, but that little bit that she had, when she had faith to pour out her little bit, to give her little bit to God, God gave her what she needed. He provided for her in faith, the jars that kept flowing. When we show him our faith, we get to see his faithfulness. And it's, it's, we would love to know, like, God to show us how it's going to happen or, like, how he's going to provide before we have to take this step of faith. But we show him our little bit of faith, and we get to see his faithfulness. And this story is awesome, and I so, like, want this to be true in my life. But I think it's really hard. It's really hard for me to think about, like, is God going to come through for me? I don't know. I have these significant needs in my life, and I want to be like, sign me up for the oil flowing thing. Like, let me get some jars and sell the oil. Like, I want that to be me because that's what I want. God's blessing. But it feels really hard to know, is God actually going to come through for me and provide for me? Like, and does he even know what I need? Does he even care to know what I need? Like, do I want to have the faith to give out what I have? I, I'm like a, a person who, um, so I grew up like an only child, so I blame this on my family of origin. I'm not very, like, generous. I didn't have to share as a child. I just got, it was really all about me, and which is the best, only children or youngest children, youngest children. And so I, I struggle to be generous, especially with money. I just, it's like not in my nature. And I, like, so want to be like, yes, for everyone, let me give out of the overflow of my heart. And I just, like, cling onto it. I'm like, God, there's not enough. I have what uh, people call a scarcity mindset, if you've ever heard that, a scarcity mindset. Instead of believing you have enough and there's plenty to go around, you cling to everything out of fear of coming up short. And so it stems from, everything stems from a place of lack because I believe there'll never be enough. It's the definition of a scarcity mindset. I'm like, just cling to everything. Like, you, this is all of mine. and This is what I need. Instead of just offering God, like, what little I have and trusting that he's going to give me what I need, like provide for me what I need. But that, that is hard. That is hard. And I'm willing to admit that, that that is hard for me to do. But I want to be that type of person who's willing to pour out what little I have and to trust and have faith that God is going to give me what I need. I, I think about the woman in this story. And really we do a, a disservice when we call things like Bible stories. Because when we talk about a story, it usually means something that's not true. And, and this, is, this is not a Bible story. Like This is an account. It's an historical event of a woman who lived almost 3,000 years ago. She was probably in her early to mid-30s, just like me. She was a real woman. And this is not a parable that Jesus told that was just a, a story to tell an illustration. This was an actual woman who lived, who was in a desperate situation. And this Oil flowing miracle actually happened in real life. God provided in this practical way. It really happened. And she, talking about her husband as a, a man who followed God, maybe being this prophet Obadiah, they were a family. They, they were a family who served the Lord. And then he died, and she's left with all this debt. And she has to have been thinking, what are we, God, where are you? God, our family has served you. 
our family has been faithful to you, and now this is happening, and I don't know what you're going to do. I don't know how you're going to change this significant need, this desperate situation that we're in. What are you, what are you going to do? What are you doing? Are you going to provide for us? And how? I don't see any hope. What are you going to do? I'm sure she asked these questions in her mind as she's coming desperately to Elisha to be like, I don't know what to do. I'm in a desperate situation, and I don't know what to do. Uh, right now, I have a favorite worship song that I've been listening to, um, which it's, it's by a band called Elevation Worship, who you should check out if you want a good worship set, band, album. Um, especially talking after we talked last week about music and how powerful that can be and inspiration. So I have a, a favorite song right now, and it's called um, I See a Victory. And my, my, the whole song is good. My favorite part of it is the bridge, the, a bridge that I really cling on to. And the bridge says, You take what the enemy meant for evil, and you turn it for good. You turn it for good. You take what the enemy meant for evil, and you turn it for good. You turn it for good. Take what the enemy meant for evil. In this situation, God made good. God made good out of an evil and desperate situation. Because she had faith, because she, she gave a little bit of faith and God showed her faithfulness. She offered the little that she had and God provided what she needed. It's not just true in my own life as I'm trying to struggle with like how I can believe God's going to provide for us. It's also a story of us as a church. I'm thinking about being in this great new space, but it was a long journey to get here. I mean, we didn't get here until we turned a year old when we were um, first beginning 10 days before our first before our first preview service, we lost the place where we were going to launch our church. Many of you were here for that time when that happened. It was like, okay, well, it's already happening. I guess we're just going to have to trust that God's going to provide, even though we're supposed to launch a church and we don't have anywhere to do it. I'm sure, I don't know, what are we going to do? But we, we just kept going in faith. We're like, the ball's already rolling. We're going to trust that God's going to provide for us, even though we don't know what that is. And by the time we were four months old, we had met in four different locations, only by four months old. And it's like, I don't understand. We have this need. We have this church. That's, we know it's going to be great. God's going to bless it. I don't understand. Like, where are we going to be? How is God going to provide? I don't know. And during that time, we're like, I mean, of course, searching for places and calling places. And some place we called was here at the Doubletree to see, like, can we meet? Do you have space? We, we have a church. We don't have anywhere to meet. Can we meet here? And we actually were met with this, this like, solid wall solid door, I don't know, solid blockade, this, this guy who was like, yeah, we don't want your kind of people here in our hotel, like with your guitars and your tambourines. We're not about that. So I'm like, well, we could leave the tambourines at home. That's not a deal breaker, but I guess it wasn't really meant to be. But he, they were like, no, we don't want your kind of people in our hotel. And so this was off our radar, of course, because of that. And then this coming up, we're still trying to find a place to meet. We have the, the Burlington Marriott, but it's still, it's, we're starting to move around, still having to move around, praying for what we're going to do. And we get, this time, a call from the Doubletree, a call saying, hey, why don't you come in again? And you look at our space. And then they sat down with us and said, what will it take for you to leave the Marriott and come and worship here and use our space? Which is, I mean a complete turnaround from what it was, them asking us to be in our space. God provided for us. And 
I mean, we're still in prayer and searching. Of course, we want our own building. What a blessing that's going to be the day that God provides that when we have our space to meet permanently and nobody has to get here at 720 to unload cable after cable after cable and push the road cases. The day that will end at some point. So we're still praying for God to provide that, definitely. But the ways that God has already provided for us, the ways that he's miraculously already provided for us in this new space, and we know that that's going to be true. God's going to make good. He already has made good out of the things the barriers that we faced. And here we are with God providing for us. We give, we show God our faith. He shows us our faithfulness. So how are we supposed to have that kind of faith? The faith that this widow had to have to ask people for jars to pour out the little bit that she had, to offer God the little she had so she could trust God to provide what she needed. How do we have that kind of faith to believe for those types of things? When Jesus was here on the earth, he was teaching his disciples, and here's something that he said. This is Jesus speaking. He replied, because you have so little faith. Truly, I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you if you have faith as small as a mustard seed. I mean, he made it like as easy as possible. It's like the smallest seed, a mustard seed, that he said, that's, that's how much faith you need. You don't need to start with this huge, giant faith. Well, you start with this faith like a mustard seed, something small, and God makes big things out of what is small. We show him our little mustard seed of faith, and he shows us our faithfulness. When we start with what we have, when we start with what we have, not looking at what we want, but knowing that God is what we need because he's the one who takes small things, small things, and makes them big. When we pour out what little we have, when we pour out what little we had, God fills the jars. God's the one who provides. He fills the jars. He fills the jars of our lives. He's the one who is our living water when we are thirsty. When we need comfort, he is our comfort. When our lives are unstable, he, God, is our rock. When we are hungry, God fills us. When we are lost, God guides us. When we are empty, when we are empty, God fills us. God fills the jars. We're willing to pour out the little we have to offer God what we have and trust that he's going to provide what we need. So if you are overwhelmed today, overwhelmed, like life is too much, like your situation is too much, feeling like, I'm just empty. Today I feel empty. I pray that today you have the courage to have a mustard seed of faith, a mustard seed of faith, and to offer God what you have right now, to trust and to see him provide for what you need. I'm going to pray for us. Father God, I thank you that you take our little and you make it much that you've said that you would provide for us, that just like the account of that real woman, the widow, that you provide for in a desperate situation in a miraculous way when she showed you her faith and you showed her her faithfulness. God, I pray that this week you would remind us that you would be giving us opportunities for us to show you our faith, our mustard seeds of faith, to offer what we have and to know that you're going to provide what we need. You're going to make good out of desperate situations. 
I pray that we would hold on to that this week. We would trust that. We would see you provide in miraculous ways. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.